production. Good morning, sports fans, and welcome to the Scorecard. I'm Liam Flanagan, and this is your fast, fun, week-ending hit of sport for Friday, the 13th of October. Today, the AFL trade period takes a sad turn for a D-star. Australia fails to bounce back at the ODI World Cup, and the Socceroos prepare themselves for a friendly against their old foe. But first... Earlier this week, the Wallabies arrived back in Australia from their most unsuccessful Rugby World Cup ever, having failed to progress beyond the group stage for the first time in the history of the tournament. And while much has been made of their poor performance, much more has been made about their coach. Did you do a job interview with uh, Japanese rugby a couple of weeks before the World Cup? And if so, what was the thinking? I don't know what you're talking about, mate. Eddie, do you have a second interview lined up with the JRFU? I said I don't know what you're talking about, mate. That's Wallabies coach Eddie Jones after their loss to Wales in the tournament, vehemently denying reports that he'd interviewed for the Japanese national coaching job despite having only signed a new five-year contract to be the Wallabies coach in January this year. I really take umbrage at the questioning that people are questioning my commitment to coaching Australia. I really take umbrage at it. Um, yeah, I've been working non-stop since I've come here um, and I apologise for the results. I keep saying that. But to doubt my commitment to the job, I think, is a bit red hot. But despite Jones's repeated and insistent denials, reports emerged yesterday from both Japan and Australia that Eddie looks set to quit as the Wallabies coach to take charge of the Cherry Blossoms, a position he previously held from 2012 to 2015. Now, it should be said at this stage, the reports of Jones' switch are just that, reports. And there has been no comment from any parties directly involved. I'm not saying anything more without my lawyer. And the Australian Financial Review reports that as recently as Tuesday, Eddie Jones met with Rugby Australia Chief Executive Phil War and reassured him that he wasn't going anywhere. And Rugby Australia Chairman Hamish McLennan, who handed Jones his lucrative long-term deal earlier this year, insists that Eddie has denied any attachment to the job or involvement with the process of recruiting Japan's next national coach. I had nothing to do with it. So for now, Eddie is still the boss of the Wallabies. I guess the only thing we know for sure is that somebody's lying. Now we'll just have to wait to find out who. (laughs) Meanwhile, it looks like Australia's men's ODI World Cup team has caught a case of the Wallabies. Oh, no! We suck again! After a tournament opening loss to India, Australia were hoping to get their World Cup campaign back on track overnight when they took on South Africa. The selectors made two changes to the lineup, dropping all-rounder Cam Green in favour of big-hitting Marcus Stoinis, and in something of a selection statement, underperforming wicketkeeper Alex Carey, who scored a duck against India, was dropped for the swashbuckling Josh Inglis, who was making just his ninth national appearance. But neither of the new inclusions could have stopped Quinton de Kock. Rubbing salt into the wounds is Quinton de Kock, and he gets to 100 in some style. The man with the funniest name in world cricket has opened the World Cup with back-to-back centuries after he posted a run of all 100 at the top of the South African lineup to set up their innings. And while none of his teammates lit things up to the same extent, South Africa still posted a competitive total of 311. And for Australia, that was simply too many runs. South Africa pace star Kagiso Rabata ripped through the Aussie lineup, taking the key wicket of Steve Smith as well as the newly introduced duo of Inglis and Stoinis. And in the end, not one of the Aussie batsmen managed to crack a half century, with Marnus Labuschagne top scoring with 46. And if not for the Aussie tail wagging ever so slightly, it could have been a lot worse. That could have gone way worse. 
Australia are now zero wins from two games in the tournament and find themselves second to last on the tournament table above only Afghanistan. But Captain Pat Cummins is remaining confident. We've got a few days. The next game's here as well, so we'll regroup and, yeah, everyone's hurting, so we'll try and make amends. Australia will be hoping to open their win account when they take on Sri Lanka on Monday. <laughs> By any measurement, Clayton Oliver is a gun. Clayton Oliver, 40, closing! They have kicked six straight, the team... At 26 years of age, he's already a three-time All-Australian, four-time Best and Fairest winner and a Premiership player with the Melbourne Demons. And yet it seems that Clary's future in the game has become one big question mark. Despite being one of the game's best midfielders and only being one year into a rich seven-year contract with Melbourne, the City Swans, Adelaide Crows, Geelong Cats, Essendon and St Kilda have all explored just what it would take to get the Ds to trade the big-bodied midfielder. There's no certainty Clayton Oliver will be at the Demons next season, with some clubs believing the Premiership star is gettable amid a disconnect between team and player. Reports of unprofessionalism and failing to meet standards swirled around Oliver, but ultimately the board met and decided that the club would not be trading Clayton. Well, that's a relief. But yesterday, Oliver was back in the spotlight. Oh, no. The Melbourne midfielder suffering what Seven News understands was a seizure that resulted in a head injury. Oliver was then put through a series of scans and assessments at the Footscray Hospital. He was discharged just after midday and driven home by friends where he is tonight recovering. Oliver's mystery hospital visit is being investigated by the club and ultimately why a person, public or private, attends a hospital should be their own business. But when you're a high-profile AFL footballer who's been recently accused of failing to meet the standards as a professional athlete, naturally you can assume the cause of Clayton's hospital stint won't remain private for too long. Right now, thanks mainly to Ange Postacoglu's efforts in managing Tottenham to the top of the English Premier League, Australians are pretty popular in London. But that might change this weekend. And England win on penalties. History in itself. The Socceroos will tackle England in the early hours of tomorrow morning at Wembley Stadium in an international friendly, marking the first ever time Australia has played at the iconic venue. And given the significance of the moment, Socceroos coach Graham Arnold organised a couple of surprise visitors for his team during the week. There's going to be a little boy or a little girl who's going to look at that and go, one day that's going to be me. That's the, that's the power you guys have when you represent your country, different from your club. Make your trip to Wembley a memorable one. Not that you just played England, but you knocked them off. That makes it memorable, not just for you, for everybody. Yeah? You know, as Australians, we can do whatever we, we, we believe we can. You know? We keep putting us down, we keep working our way up. Posta Koglu, who won the Asian Cup as the coach of the Socceroos, and fellow former manager Gus Hiddink, who took the team to the 2006 World Cup, stopped by a team lunch during the week to speak to the team and attempt to inspire them to victory against England, which would be the first win over the three Lions in over 20 years. Wouldn't that be something? The game gets underway at 5.30am Australian Eastern Standard Time and can be watched on free to wear thanks to 10Play. And that is your Fast Fun here to Sport to wrap up another week here on The Scorecard. I'm Liam Flanagan. Enjoy your weekend. We'll catch you Monday on The Scorecard. Listener.